the scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Now I say this and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that it is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The reading of God's word. So um, if you have a Bible, if you want to start to turn to Romans 8, 5 to 8, uh, we're going to look at that passage in a minute, and we're also going to look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. So if you want to just kind of hold your finger there or digitally end up there, um, which is kind of the way I do it. So um, I want to start out with something a little interesting this morning. So you need to be ready because this is your, you need to participate in this. Um, and you need to be ready to think, okay? So think quick. Yes, we're, we're on. We're awake, right? Um, so here's what I want you to think of. I want you to pick, don't say anything out loud. Just pick a number between 1 and 10. Any number between 1 and 10 and, and hold it there, okay? Now, take that number. Stay with me now. Take that number, double it. Okay, double that number. Add 8 to it. So double your original number. Add 8 to it. Take that number, divide by 2. You engineers are, are with me, right? Subtract the original number from that num- the new number you have. Okay, so everybody have a number in their minds? No? Somebody, somebody got lost here. All right. <laughs> number between 1 and 10. Got that. Double it. Add 8 to it. Divide that by 2. And then subtract the original number that you picked. Now, the number you have... The corresponding alphabet letter to that number, so A, uh, 1 would be A, 2 would be B, 3 would be C, okay? Figure out what is the corresponding alphabet letter. When you figure out what that letter is, pick, an, a, um, pick a country that begins with that letter. So pick a country. Pick a country. All right, next. Take the next letter in the alphabet and pick an animal that begins with that letter. And then think of the color of that animal. All right, so how many of you, raise your hands if you have thought of a gray elephant in Denmark. Raise your hands. All right. All right, I just blew your minds. Some... (laughs) I, I won't, I won't uh, assess who chose that and who chose something else and, and which is better. But um, 
Since I, I'm in education, been a student for years, I need to cite the, the source for that. That was my oldest two, Samuel and Claire, uh, taught Becky and I that, that little trick. Um, now, if, you, if, you can, if you're good at math, you can figure out there's a lot of math to how that came about. Um, but it's also, when you pick out the, the country and you pick out the, the animal, we're really exposing some very similar thought patterns we have and things that kind of jump to the forefront for us. Um, you've probably heard before, if you, if you tell people pick a number between 1 and 10, the percentages are quite high that 7 or 3 are chosen, for example. So we have, we have similar thought patterns that a lot of ways can be predictable. And marketing people really capture that in a lot of ways, too. Um, we also have a lot of differences in the way we think. And our differences come from worldview. They come from culture that we're a part of. They come from family. Uh, they come from our gender. Um, so there's, there's a, very, uh, a varied perspective on, on how we think and our thought patterns, but there's some similarities as we saw. You know, most humans will, will think in similar patterns, um, and people can capture that. Um, what we want to talk about this morning, and remember, our, our uh, theme, is that up there? Yeah, knowing Jesus changes everything. What we're going to talk about this morning is knowing Jesus, being a disciple of him, changes our thinking. And our, and our thinking is changed as we trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in us, and, and the Holy Spirit st- starts to actually change the way we think, starts to change our thought patterns. But we're not just left with a complete change of the Holy Spirit alone. It doesn't actually leave us off the hook completely. We actually have to come alongside and be a part of that it doesn't excuse our participation in actual renewed thought. Um, and so critical thinking, thinking well about things, actually becomes a theological endeavor that's part of our sanctification process, part of the process of being, becoming more like Jesus as a believer. Part of that is, is thinking well. And the Holy Spirit does that in us, and, and we join Him in that process. If you have Romans 8 open, 8, 5 to 8, we'll read that in a second here, but in Romans 8, we see that God's patterns of truth can really fully only be recognized through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So God has patterns of truth that we can't naturally just, just okay, I know it. I can figure everything in life out. Because God thinks differently than us. In fact, he created our minds and the capacity to think. So it stands, even for our reasoning, to to recognize that he's beyond that. And so for us to really engage at a level in the way God might think, it has to be spirit-driven. It can't be just us in the natural and figuring God out and figuring how life works. Romans 8, 5 to 8 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So so the renewing of our minds... And the way we think about things and the way we approach life is actually a, a, a spiritual endeavor. 
So Paul says, if you turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we'll camp here for a second, Paul really expressed the need for Christians, the the mind of of a Christian to change, to be renewed. And he actually sets it in the context of worship. Paul sets it in the context of worship here in in chapter 12. The first verse says, "I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. The mercies of God would be what he talked about actually in the first eight chapters of Romans. We are justified. We are made right with God in Christ. We are being sanctified through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives where we are being transformed to look more like Jesus. And then we will be glorified. So justification, sanctification, and glorification are the mercies that Paul's talking about here that he had already talked about in depth earlier in Romans. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul understands worship to be the whole of our life. So if we think about worship, often we think worship is, is, is something we do. It really, we, you know, we almost put it in the box of, of song. On a Sunday morning, it's song. And, and Paul, Paul's understanding of worship is, is much broader than that. And, and um, worship can be defined as us ascribing worth to God. That can be a, a really good definition of what is worship. It's ascribing his worth. It's, it's outwardly, through actions, through, through speak. Um, it's describing his worth and value. Um, so Paul is saying the whole of our lives, what we do on a daily basis, what God sees in us, what others see in us, is part of our worship of him, ascribing worth to him. Verse 2 of chapter 12, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word transform there is actually the same word that we find in Matthew, um, Matthew 17, where, where Jesus is the transfiguration of Jesus. So the word transfigure um, is, is really a, a similar word, actually the same word being used there. And in English, it's the word metamorphosis. That's where we get the word metamorphosis from. The idea of, of a complete transformation from, uh, in this case, caterpillar to butterfly. Complete transformation. And so when Paul mentions transform, he's talking about something that is changed from the inside. The Holy Spirit in us changing us. Um, really, by definition, we're becoming something different. As, as you see in metamorphosis. So we're being transformed from the end. Now the world exerts this pressure on us to, to think and live out patterns of thought in a certain way. But what Paul's getting at is, instead of an outward uh, change you know, exerted on you, God's actually changing you from the inside, and he's, he's redirecting our thought, our thought patterns. He said... Um, do not be conformed, but be transformed. You think about it this way. If, if our thoughts are being controlled by thoughts and reasoning of the world, then we're really conforming. We're a conformer. But if our thought patterns are being redirected and reshaped 
and our, our being actually transformed based off of a biblical worldview, based off of what Scripture says, then we are a transformer. We're being transformed into something quite, quite different. And this, this is interesting. If you look at these two verses, really what Paul's getting at is that to, to renew, to transform, to change our mind and our thinking really changes all of us. It really is a transformation for all of who we are. So our thoughts are quite important, according to Paul. Now, the next question we want to look at is, why does our thinking need changing? Why? Why in the world would that be? Well, first, we've got to recognize there's distortion because of sin in our lives, because of a fallen, sinful, broken world, our thinking is distorted. There really is distortion. And, and because of that, there's a propensity for several things. We misinterpret things. We inaccurately process. And then propensity to, for egocentric thinking and for sociocentric thinking. Um, egocentric thinking is, is those things that... Um, it, it, I think this way because it benefits me in some capacity, um, because, or because I just want to believe it. it it's me-centered. And there's a lot of thought patterns that, that play out that way. Sociocentric is we're really kind of internalizing a, a dominant thought pattern of our society, of our culture. And we internalize that. And sometimes we don't even recognize that. So we, we may have trusted in Jesus, and, and we're actually thinking in thought patterns that are not aligned with Scripture. Not aligned with who God is and His character. But, we, but we're thinking from a sociocentric um, standpoint rather than from a, a bibliocentric standpoint. So um, those are real tendencies of distortion of thought because we live in a fallen world and, and it's our own sin too. An example, you, know, you see, if you look through the New Testament, you see a tremendous amount, Paul talked a lot about this, but you see a tremendous amount pushing against false teaching. And when you look at most of the false teaching, if not all of the false teaching in, in the New Testament, and perhaps probably even today in, in churches and certain, certain contexts that we see teaching that is not biblically aligned, it really stems from some of these patterns egocentric or sociocentric thought. And then we end up building our doctrine and our theology off of that. And so you see false teaching. And last week, if you remember, we looked at uh, Paul in, in uh, Philippians 3. He kind of gave his resume to us, so to speak. And he said, all of that I, I, I count as just garbage. It's nothing compared to knowing Jesus. It's nothing compared to that. Well, right before that, in the beginning of chapter 3, we, we actually didn't really look at that closely last week, but he's actually going after some false teaching. Some people were adding to the gospel. They were actually taking, well, okay, what Jesus did is great, but you still have to do all the the Jewish law on top of that because they were used to that way of thinking and they, they really wanted, there was pride in that. And so they wanted that to be the case. Well, Paul really pushed back against that and said, since pretty harsh words, if you look in the first six verses of chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul really attacked that kind of thought and that false teaching. 
what should change in our thinking? And I want to turn the corner a little bit here. Think about not only can our thinking be distorted um, from, from our own thoughts, from what society is saying, but it also can have distortion from the reality of our, what, what people call the, the, our family of origin. How we grow up can really have an effect, we hope positively, but a lot of times in a negative way. And so we start to have thought patterns, even as we step into being a Christian, or we step into adulthood, we start to have thought patterns that may be not necessarily connected to Scripture, but connected to our family of origin. And maybe those thought patterns come from performance. Maybe a performing was a big thing in our family. And so then we, we understand the gospel. We actually, we misunderstand it. And we start to say, well, I've, I've got to perform for God. Or maybe it's trust. God says, trust me. Follow me. And we say, well, trust wasn't a thing in my family. That's difficult for me. And so there's thought patterns that need to be transformed and renewed in us because of maybe it's, it's love and what we saw love to be in our family growing up. This quote is a long one. I'm, I'm going to put this up here, but I, I find this quote um, for several years now very interesting to, to process, thinking of what in our past affects us and God wants to actually transform now. This is from a professor I actually had a few years back. He said in class, he said, salvation is not a reformatting of the hard drive. Instead, it's a change in the trajectory of your life. The impact of your family of origin still exists and must be confronted. For all the time prior to salvation, your your brain developed attachments. These attachments exist and continue to exist until you train it to behave differently. It's a long, slow process of training a brain to behave in a Christian manner. The longer a sinner, the longer it will take to retrain the brain. Now, I said this last week. God intends to transform and change all of us, all of who we are. But a lot of times, the the church will focus in in one or two particular areas, and, and we don't address the depths of change that God intends for us as disciples of him. We don't address that. We kind of gloss over those things. And it's realities in our lives that God says, I want to change that in you. <clears throat> Another area that, that um, is a challenge, I, I think, for the church, I think it's a challenge for, for many of us as Christians. I would put it in under the category of, it's a big word, but sociopolitical thinking. What we think socially about people and what we might even think politically because those two sometimes kind of go hand in hand here's here's a couple questions to ponder what do you think of people not like you what's your natural tendency and bent towards thinking of people that aren't aren't like you in any particular capacity what value do you ascribe to people? What value do you hold for people? I think these are cha- they're challenging questions for me. Am I always right? Am I always right? 
Can I see value in another perspective or is my viewpoint the best and, and yeah, it's pretty much always right? Now, I'm, I'm suggesting it in this, this extreme one end of it, but I think, I think there's spectrums to, to all the answers to those questions. Um, but what I'm suggesting this morning is that God intends to renew and, and set right again our thoughts towards others. And so we, we have thought patterns that are, that are from within our own ego, and we have thought patterns, as we talked earlier about, um, our society really creates these thought patterns. And then as Christians, we adopt those instead of saying, well, what is a biblical worldview that overlays that? So all of that thinking has to be renewed and, and transformed. Um, I'm going to, I'm... <laughs> I hesitate to put this slide up because some of you are going to feel like we're, we're in some class right now, but I, I think there's tremendous value. I'm just going to fly through this. So if you're familiar at all with the idea of cognitive development and how we develop, there are several stages, and this was presented by this guy named Piaget, if you're familiar with this stuff. Um, the pre-operational is, is our youngest, Silas, is, is in this in this kind of age category where whatever he sees in front of him, that's reality to him. That's reality. So if, if we, there's no sense of time, for example, hey, we're going to go to the playgrounds. He wants to go right now. And he's mad at us that we're not literally going right now. How many of you have experienced that with somebody who's younger and, and in that age category? You, you know what I'm talking about immediately. Perception, it's reality. It's completely reality. And then you go to concrete operations um, the 6- to 11-year-old develops in these areas perceptions of a concrete world, and, and there's a thing called uh, conservation, which is interesting. So if you look at the, at the screen here, the monitor, you know that on the back side of that, it's, prob- it's likely kind of the black uh, plastic look, and there's some inputs, and, and you can get a sense of, well, I've seen the back of that, or I've seen the back of a monitor like that, and so I can get a sense of what that is. Um, but when I come around to the front and all I see is the front screen, I, I, I can remember and I can conceptualize that that's back there too. Well, that gets developed in that 6 to 11 age range where, you know, you kind of, yeah, I can see a little bit uh, different perspective and remember there's more than just what I'm literally seeing at the moment. And then 12 and up is formal operations where you, you start to create logic and, and you, this is where you start to create your worldview. Um, and you start to think a little bit more abstract. And it's not just, it's 12 plus because it all, it goes all the way into adulthood and we're, we're at that point. Here's my reason for bringing all this up. This is why I bold faced post former operations. What post former operations is saying is that you can take different worldviews, different systems that seem completely opposite and recognize well, yes, there's, there's a paradox, there, there's, but we can glean something. I can step back, maybe even from my own worldview, and look at another worldview and say, okay, I, I can understand where they're coming from, and let's have some dialogue, and let's think at a deeper level. Um, what Piaget said, that's the highest level of cognitive development, and I, this is just my own theory. I'm not sure a lot of people develop to that point. 
And I, I don't even, and it's kind of humorous. I don't mean it to be that way, but I, I don't think if you, if you look at any political season or, or the environment now, my goodness, if you looked on social media in the past six, eight months, and everybody's dogmatic on their viewpoint. Everybody is. It doesn't matter what the viewpoint. Everybody's dogmatic on it, and harshly so. And I think God is desiring to, to renew and transform our thinking to a point where it, it's, it's deeper, it's more developed than what the average person in the world. It doesn't mean that Christians are smarter. That's not at all what I'm saying. But can we think, because I think that highest level, and that, this is not coming from a believer, but that highest level I think is ascribing probably the most worth and value to other human beings. So that's, that's why I wanted to hit on that real quick. So I apologize for those that were like, oh no, we're in class. Um, so the importance of a transformed mind has to be, and, and critical thinking, has to be realized in our own faith journey. We talked earlier about, about really critical thinking as a theological endeavor. It's not a choice that, well, some people are smarter and some people, you know, get into stuff they got to think a little bit deeper. I don't, I don't see that God says, no, it's a choice or some are smarter than others. I, I think it's, no, he wants to renew and transform all of our minds. Because he thinks and sees the world differently. And so in Christ, he's going to start to change that. But we come alongside that. So it's a theological endeavor. Here's a thought I have. One who seeks to take up their cross as a Christ follower will do so with their mind engaged. Truly will do so with their mind engaged. Now we recognize, and Paul said it in Romans 8, he alluded to it again in Romans 12, that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. This is a, this is a spiritual thing happening, but he asks us to engage our mind because he's going to change our minds. So what I want us to do, and I'm going to close with this, I want us to commit to intentional, transformative learning. Commit to God, would you... Would you transform the way I think? Would you help me to learn and grow? And maybe we're not aware of some areas that we, we have a thought pattern. Sometimes we, we aren't necessarily self-aware immediately of that. That's why I think we need to be in community. We need to be in intentional relationships that are, that are pushing and challenging our thought patterns. Otherwise, we will you know, we'll start to just kind of go back to our old patterns. So we've got to be in community. Um, scripture reading, prayer, intentional relationships. We tend to know that. Some of us might need to step into that a little bit further. But we, we tend to gravitate towards that. But I want to challenge in a, just a little bit different angle. Books and teachings that might be a little bit of a challenge to you. I think some of us not, might need to be stretched. I was, uh, we were in a small group with, with, a, with a couple in the past that um, they, they see uh, Scripture a little bit differently than I do. And one of the, the, the things that happened in this small group was that um, there was this, 
deeper discussion because it, they were challenging to me. And so when I dig, dug deeper into Scripture, I was like, okay, what, well, why, why do I believe that? Why do I think Scripture is saying that? And it really became this challenging moment for the way I approached Scripture and the way I thought about uh, life and even you know some social and some political issues and things like that. And it was a challenge to me uh, because I was, I was being sharpened by somebody else who was coming at things from a different angle, thinking a little bit differently. So that's a way to, to really challenge, say, God, would you transform me as I rub shoulders with people that don't always even think the way I think? Even within the church, we can challenge and develop one another in that way. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you, you love us perfectly, and, and we thank you that, as, as Paul pointed out, um, this is all based on the mercies of God, that we have been made right with you, that you have promised that you will complete the work in us, and that we will one day be like Jesus. So Lord, as, as those mercies are the backdrop for change and transformation, Lord, may we step into intentional obedience that our minds would be renewed and restored to, to see the world as you see it, to see value in people as you see people. Lord, we are desperate for you in that. Change us in this way, Lord, as you have promised to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.